0: Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month.
1: That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. Crime World is brought to you in association with Manscaped, who provide an incredible, complete men's grooming experience. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools and is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for Crime World listeners, 20% off and free shipping with the code CRIMEWORLD at manscaped.com.
0: These are massive you know, container parks. Uh, you're not going to walk around looking for the blue one. You need all the exact details, the barcoding, and you need the skill to do it. There's only a crew of 22, and all of a sudden our senior ranking people on board are kind of asking you to get involved in something illegal. It's, I'd imagine it's very difficult to say no. I'd say the element of intimidation that came into it, you know, had to be in high. He was claiming that he was being offered a million dollars for his part in it. It kind of gives you an idea of how cocaine money kind of corrupts people. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening
2: to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs, and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The seizure of 20 tonnes of cocaine on board the MSC Guyane at the Packer Marine Terminal in Philadelphia two years ago remains the largest in US customs history. This month, the eighth and final crew member from the boat was sentenced for his role in the operation, which planned to land 1 billion euro worth of drugs into Europe. Behind the scenes, like Balkan drug traffickers, linked to the Irish Kinahan organisation and a story of narco-trafficking on the high seas that reads like a Hollywood movie. Today, I'm talking to my colleague Eamon Dillon about the incredible tale of the Swiss-owned ship, the daring smuggle that went wrong, and the ripple effects of the seizure of the record-breaking cocaine haul. This is Crime World Extra, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Amen. This um, seizure, this record-breaking seizure in 2019 on the MSC Gayan and the subsequent court cases relating to eight of uh, members of the crew who had formed uh, a gang, um, has been a real insight into how cocaine is transported across the globe, and I suppose shipping is really the ultimate way it is, because I think I read something like 90 plus percent of the products we use are transported by, on sea as opposed to by air.
0: Yeah, there was one figure there actually, just kind of reading up a bit about it um, earlier on, was there's was, there was a figure there from the UN Office on Drugs and Crime that said only 2% of the 750 million containers moved around the world every year are actually inspected. So while it might sound like somebody's getting, they're inspecting 15 million containers a year, it, it is actually a very small amount. Um, like anyone, if you've ever been down like, to the ferry uh, in East Wall in Dublin, and you just see the amount of container traffic going through, it's quite obvious. There's no, it's impossible to check absolutely everything. Uh, so, I mean, if you, if you kind of move this around the world, it just, you know, the scale is exponential. But even just, even before we get into the details of the actual plot, what these guys got into, just to give people an idea of the size of the ship, everyone was familiar with you know, the Ever Given that got stuck in the Suez Canal mm. with all those uh, containers, which are now being blamed for, by, for the reason why your, your lawn furniture hasn't arrived from China for the last three months or, or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is that you bought and hasn't arrived, it's getting blamed on the Ever Given getting stuck in the Suez Canal. But well, like the, these ships are called box ships. They're absolutely immense, and this is what the uh, the MSC Guyane is. It's one of these box ships, and it was en route. It started off in Chile with um, you know a huge cargo destined for Europe, things like fruit, nuts, timber, you know legitimate products. It um, went up the. It went would have gone up the, the west coast of South America, past Peru, Peru, through the Panama Canal, and was docking in Philadelphia, where we know it was. You know eventually that's where a customs search. But its, its its final destination then in Europe was Rotterdam, Antwerp, and then Le Havre, and there would have been containers on that ship that were being directly you know exported or imported uh, to Ireland. So I mean it, it just it just it just gives people an idea of the scale and the reach uh, you know of the kind of the international trade routes, and and these are just. It's one of, you know, it's one of a, a number of ships that's just involved in this, this these kind of huge consignments that, you know, are constantly crisscrossing the globe.
2: Even when you mention, you see the kind of the containers that are arriving into Dublin, if you've gone to any of these other ports and... Uh, I happen to have been in the, in the port in Hong Kong at one point, and it is just incredible. It's like a city of containers. I mean, these ports are huge, like Rotterdam, La Havre, as you've mentioned there, um, Antwerp port. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of containers coming in every couple of hours to these ports. Like, you know, so anyway, let's get back to the MSC Guyane. And, and also it's a, it's a, a, a boat that is part of a fleet of Geneva-based uh, ships called Mediterranean Shipping Corporation. And it's second in size only to Maersk, S K, which you do see on those containers if you're going out past Dublin Port. Um, it's the biggest um, container shipping company in the world, but uh, this one, the MSC, is second. So... Um, Basically, the ship docked in June of 2019 into Philadelphia and uh, it was in the Packer Marine Terminal and the U.S. Customs and Border Officers boarded it and started to search and sure enough, they found what was essentially 20 tons of cocaine uh, worth one billion dollars. Now, in the 230-year history of U.S. Customs and Border Control, that is the biggest ever seizure. And um, the news broke, and at the time, I think, in the Sunday world, we were actually doing a special investigation into cocaine in this country. And in an interview with... um, Detective Chief Superintendent, now Assistant Commissioner John O'Driscoll, he informed us at the time that the Irish Guardie were liaising with the Americans on this. In other words, uh, there was Irish interest in that shipment. So I think it's fair to say that there was a couple of major drug gangs in Europe that were uh, that had interest in that billion euros worth of,
0: of, of Coke. Yeah, well, I mean, you only have to go and, and look at the, the kind of the details that came out in court. I mean, a lot of it, I think, is still actually been sealed. Um, and it's only the sentencing documents that have been released to reporters in the US. But what, what we do know is that at least three of, the, of the, the crew members that were involved were actually recruited in the Balkans, uh, which very much is Ed and the Tito and Dino cartel. It's their territory.
2: And just explain, Eamon, before you go on. Some people will know what the links are to the Irish um, mafia, but others won't be aware of that. So just tell us about them.
0: Well, it was him and it, well, this guy gasson and his cousin would have uh, his cousin would have been known as the the, the Balkans Escobar. But Edin gasson was a guest at Daniel Kinahan's wedding in 2017, uh, and it was actually and I think you wrote about it as well, like that. Uh, that wedding was like kind of you know thank you very much said the DEA the American Drug Enforcement Agency because it put all these guys together the likes of Ridwan Taghi and Elrico um and Rafael Imperiale who was just recently arrested so it, it, but you know it was this idea of these these giant loads like 20 tons of cocaine that you had a, a you know a consortium of european drug gangs working together and obviously now you can't be a hundred percent about who was involved and what end of it in terms of the speciality, but they would have had to have as well as getting the ship's officers, which there was two quite senior members of the, of, the, of the shipping staff uh, recruited who were recruited in the Balkans, they would have needed somebody in Belgium as well you uh, you know, you know to, to, to get to the right containers. So I mean as you as you were saying like I mean they, these are massive you know container parks and you're not going to walk around looking for the blue one and that's where the, that's where the drugs are you got you know you, you need all the exact details the barcoding and you need the skill to do it and you have to be you know basically you have to be working there so I mean we know that we know that Kinhen senior uh, was involved himself in bribery and corruption involving police and people involved in the ports in Belgium in in, in the past and there's even been recently there's been you know more there's been more investigations in, in Belgium into corruption at the ports. And, and, and it is, you know, it's, it's a key part of any consortium of getting your stuff in. You, you know, in by all accounts, has the, has the contacts in Colombia and Peru to get the drugs to where they needed to be to get them on the ship. And then you need someone at the other end to get them off the ship. You also need somebody on the ship to hide them on the ship. So, I mean, there's all these various mm. moving parts um, that are needed. So... You know, I'm sure it's not just entirely a money thing that, you know, certain gang members have brought in because they have that speciality. But, I mean, it's like one of the Americans described... the They described the way the drugs was were were got on board of the ship. He described it as something like out of a movie. Now, again, you know, it, oh. it mentioned then that you had uh, one of them... Uh, this this The guy who got the longest sentence and was seen, he got seven years, Bosco... Markovic, he was the, he was the ship's chief mate, or the first mate, or chief's officer. Like, is is his rank?
2: So, just excuse my ignorance, slightly there. So, the chief mate or the first officer or whatever is that the captain? Is that the guy who's in charge
0: completely? No, no. He he, he was he'd be a senior member of staff, and and generally their 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 duties on board are things like loading and unloading the cargo and controlling the deck, and that's. So he was obviously the perfect guy. So. And then on top, like he, he was the man who actually operated the crane to lift um, these, you know, uh, packages of drugs. And it wasn't a single occasion. So to, to, to kind of go back a bit, like to show you the sophistication. So mm. they were sailing from Chile. They weren't stopping in Peru. But when they were rounding the coast to, to go up to, cana- up to the Panama Canal to, to cross into the Atlantic from the Pacific, they were using encrypted phones to make contact with co-conspirators on land Speedboats came out on more than one occasion in the dark of night. And these, um, and again, as you, everyone saw the pictures of the Evergiven stuck in the, the Suez Canal. These are huge ships, several stories high. So they were using the cranes on board to lift the, the, the bags or whatever, or the, the packages of drugs on board the ship and then hide them in carefully selected containers that were ripped open and then resealed. Um, presumably, they were going to be tracked all the way through to, to their. You know, end destination in either Belgium or France. So, like that kind of gives you an idea, you know. So while you had the likes of Markovic, who was the, you know, the, the kind of the top end guy, you know, and he was actually it came out he was claiming that he was being offered a million dollars for for his part in it. Now, some of the guys at the bottom who got five years were only getting paid fifty thousand dollars. But again, it kind of gives you an idea of of uh, how cocaine money kind of corrupts people who have who have good jobs. I mean, he was. Like I mentioned that it was 10 times his salary. So presumably his salary was in, you know, 100,000 a year. Not a bad
2: salary, though. I mean, there has to be a a, surely a a motivation there of greed when when it comes to, I mean, he's not a guy that's earning, you know, $10 a week that some people, probably whoever was on those boats coming out of Peru was, was earning next to nothing and endangering their lives hugely. I mean... That sea in the dark at night, going out to meet, meet a massive container ship like that, and waiting for the crane to be lowered uh, down to pick up the the, um, the the coke. I'm sure that was a, a dangerous job. It seems like an incredible thing for them to be able to do, but nonetheless, Markovic was the guy who had he, who had the ability to work these cranes and presumably to control that deck. That whatever he said came on, came on. Um, do you know? Did other goods? <laughs> get loaded onto this container in that way from Peru or did they always stop uh, in ports to load? no
0: well this was actually done at sea uh, so I mean like mm. I mean they took on their legitimate cargo in 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 Chile in presumably in the big maritime containers which are preloaded. and then you know they come from whatever factory or from whatever warehouse where all the various goods that are destined for Europe or Philadelphia are are you know put in like a big Amazon truck and then they're they're dropped to, they're, they're essentially dropped on board. Uh, these big box ships, so the crew shouldn't necessarily even know what's in any of those unless they go looking. So the, the so the idea, you know, it, it is very much the equivalent of of trying to throw a bag onto a moving train and you know somebody sticking their hand out to catch it to get the drugs up to Houston Station, or you know to to draw kind of a rough <laughs> equivalent, I suppose. But um, but they they also the interesting thing as well is that Markovic then like in in court, like his lawyer did say, you know, he he, he did feel under threat. Um, one of the conspirators, you know, threw away his phone, but was still kind of pressurized on board. Now they didn't say who pressurized them, but was still, you know, made to go through with the plot. And then, of course, there was, as usual, there was the two kind of junior guys, two Samoan, uh, you know, sailors who presumably are at the bottom of the rung, whose job was simply to drag the stuff around and do what they were told. And they got five years each. I mean, you know, you feel sorry for those guys to some extent. Like, you know, you're on. There's only a crew of 22, and all of a sudden. You know, the, there's some senior officers on board or senior ranking people on board are kind of asking you to get involved in something illegal. It's, I'd imagine it's very difficult to say no. I'm sure you'd be, you know, if somebody falls off a a box ship, that's it, especially in the, you know, <laughs> you know, in the open sea, there's no chance around. So I'd say the element of intimidation that came into it, you know, had to be in high.
2: And there was two other Montenegrins, and and it was in Montenegro, of course, that, um that uh, Markovic was recruited. Um, I think the other two, an engineer and a second mate, and you might explain that to me as well, what he does. But uh, they said that they were in coffee shops, basically, and were approached by what they assumed to be gangsters, took on the job, never questioned it. Montenegro is a problem area when it comes to drug gangs. I think their two main um, sources of occupation are... Drugs, bringing drugs into Europe, or fishing, and um, you know it has been identified Montenegro as a as a as a serious problem for um, for these Balkan gangs.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, when you put it that way, I mean, it's the, it's the perfect skill set, really, isn't it, for for dragging mm. uh, bags of cocaine off of small speedboats onto your your big cargo ship and then hiding them in containers. Yeah, look, I mean, it, it's. Um, I think one of them, there was a Serbian involved as well. And then there was another guy, uh, Kav- Kavica, was uh, an electrician as well. So, I mean, I, basically they got whoever they could, really. Um, but obviously it was Markov, uh, Markovic who was the main the main guy. He was the key to it. Um, it's just interesting that, like, you know, he started working for the for the Mediterranean shipping company in 2008 and had gone up through management. So, I mean, you know, any company who's trying to do its best to screen their, their employees to make sure they're, they're not up to anything they shouldn't be, are, you know, it, it kind of shows you the difficulty they face there. I know they were they, they were actually quite clear that they were victims in this. The MSC, the, the company themselves, they were allowed to to give a victim statement to the court in Philadelphia. Um, and and they, they, there was some incredible figure came out there where they're saying that by 2024, from 2019, they will have spent 100 million US dollars now on upping their security because they did actually have other ships. Um, around the world where drugs are found as well so it's obviously i mean it's obviously hugely embarrassing for these companies but of course if you have one of these giant ships that gets held up for a couple of months or even a few weeks i mean the knock-on effects of, of those costs are huge um they had one the same company had had a half ton of cocaine on board one of their ships called desire they had a, a ton and a half on another one called the msc carlotta and then an Australian authorities seized 200 kilograms of cocaine on the MSC uh, Joanna. So th- these all these all happened the same year. So you know they've, they've obviously they're doing their best to get to grips with it now. But I mean I suppose like like a lot of this, I mean it's all driven by demand. And cocaine, like any other commodity, is is you know it's it's shipped the same way as our, our almonds and our avocados and whatever else. But the
2: um, you know even though. Markovic was set to make 1 million, 10 times his salary for this one shipment if it went right. And I think everybody is aware that it went catastrophically wrong. Um, But the others on their 50 grand each, so there's seven of them on their 50 grand. It's very little in total considering the amount of money that the drug gangs will make um, if they actually move their product from A to B because once it lands into Europe, it's worth a billion on the streets. It is broken up from the minute it lands in the port and it's going in a hundred million different directions. And um there's no chance, even though there might be some seizures on land once it's once it's actually hits hits Europe, um, you know, law enforcement do not have the same opportunities of of um taking it in such bulk in that mother load. Um the American, the DEA report of 2020 shows a, a 70% increase in, in cocaine uh, seizures. And I think they put that down largely to this one ship and what was on it because, you know, we can't underestimate the size of 20 tons of cocaine and, and uh, you know, wh- what that even looks like. Did, um, you know, the the eight members of the crew of 22 is uh, a significant proportion of the people on the boat. But nonetheless, you know, really without intelligence, I presume, because this would have been an intelligence-led operation, they could have got away with
0: it. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure, you know, it has been successful before. I mean, you certainly wouldn't kind of try out your route for the first time with, you know, a 20-ton load. I mean, you know, you want to be pretty sure it's going to work or, you know, that it has worked before. And I mean, I suppose on the face of it, you know, they, 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 the gangs involved probably did nothing wrong. Like whatever, whatever was the, you know, the, the weak link, whether it was the encrypted phones were possibly already among one of the, one of those networks that had been cracked by law enforcement. We don't know; it hasn't come out. Um, whether you know, I mean, even if you had one person involved in the plot, it probably wouldn't have been enough to to find, you know, to necessarily find the drugs or to have enough probable cause in, in the in the states to. To, to to go on board a ship of that size because a, a lot of these big um, the big firms they do have uh, kind of customs preference that allows them you know quick access and you know uh, you know to be able to go through the whole system very quickly and it's you know it's for good commercial reasons that you don't want stuff being held up while every every single you know container is is inspected so like from from that point of view you know it, it is yeah, it, it, obviously it was intelligence-led and it was it was fairly spot on. Um, but there has, you, you can be sure that, you know, there's been similar caches have gotten through and probably will do again in the future.
2: And do we have any idea what the company, the uh, Mediterranean Shipping Corporation, intend to do with that 100 million in order to try? And, and I mean, from a commercial point of view for themselves, it's it's going to be important for them to keep up that uh, system that they are allowed through quicker that they can, you know, continue to make the profits they're making for their shareholders. Um, uh, any idea what they, what exactly they're going to try and do bar vetting their staff, <laughs> you know, vigilantly?
0: Yeah, well, well, that's the thing. I mean, you can vet all you like and the chances are when you're vetting and hiring, people are being perfect. You know, they're honest and they have no criminal records. I mean, they, you know, you, you don't become a, you know, a first mate on a, on a, on a, one of these giant cargo ships. You know, because you know, if if you you know, unless you, you've worked hard, uh, and which which Markov uh, certainly was was doing. Like you know, he like I said earlier, he'd, he'd come through kind of the company management systems. Well, you know, but it's just the corrupting power of cocaine. And you know, when somebody, you know, offers you, you know, a million dollars or you know, getting shot in the head, you're going to go for the million dollars, I think, you, you know, which is the, the reality of it. I mean, these, I mean, it's probably not in such stark terms, but, you know, the implication is always there. Look, we've more or less broken cover now to 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 kind of approach you. Um, and you can't just walk away easily because, you know, they really do need it. They need They need these insiders. They need the insiders in these kind of commercial, legitimate pipelines of cargo. And if you don't have them, you can't move the illegitimate stuff. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's the same as any other commodity, whether it's bananas or, or you, know, you know, coconuts coming from whatever part of the world. Cocaine, you know, just has to be loaded up somehow and either flown or shipped and has to enter a port somewhere, has to, you know, get into the country where your market is. And the market at the moment, as we know, is Western Europe. We're just spending so much more on cocaine and there's such a demand for it. And by all accounts, uh, the purity... Mm-hmm. And the quality of it suggests that um, more and more of it is successfully reaching, um, you know, Western Europe and Ireland.
2: And it, of course, all of this does beg the question, the uh, the eternal question that we're probably not really qualified to answer. But, um, you know, we can have a go. Are we really better off just dealing with it like it's another commodity that's on any of the, those boats like bananas or coffee and just legalizing the bloody thing and, you know, creating a market and a a taxed economy for it and uh, (laughs) you know allowing it come through it just seems like we're all fighting a massive losing battle on this and um, the demand is going to is going to continue it ain't going anywhere
0: yeah well I mean that's I mean look I mean in the states I mean there's so many of the kind of the the republican states especially in the US have legalized cannabis I think Colorado was the first to do it and I know a pal of mine who served in the U.S. military said when, when, when he left the, the Federal Army, when he left the U.S. Army and took up a, a, a position in the in Colorado National Guard, he says everything was new. Everything was better quality and was straight out of the factory. So, I mean, And that's what they're doing. I mean, like some of these small counties, uh, you know, with, with 500, you know, a community of 500 people have you know, uh, you know, well paid, very well appointed police officers, they're spending their money on, on law enforcement in return, and that's I think the justification or the payoff against people who have who have kind of say moral concerns about whether they should be smoking cannabis or not. I mean, the whole idea, I mean, I don't think I don't think you'd have any less problems with people becoming addicted or, you know, people ruining their lives because of access to cocaine, but you can argue that's happening anyway, and we're making the likes of Daniel Kinahan rich in the meantime. So at least if, if you know, at least if the money stays in in legitimate channels, there's some chance of then, you know, of of a lot of it or some of it being used in you know in in the health area, so that you know you can help people who do develop problems. And I mean, I mean, even Portugal's approach, where you know a lot of a lot of addicts um, at the street level, instead of seeing seeing them as a criminal problem, it's seen as a health problem, and they're they're offered you know they're offered treatments and they're offered chances to, to go and get rehab or whatever. Um, and but it needs look, I mean, it needs a, a it needs a kind of a multi sort of pronged approach that, I mean, cracking down. I mean, the, the, the what is it, the, the Volstead Act in the US when they cracked down on, on alcohol and cause prohibition is, is the world's greatest example of prohibition, just doesn't work because the fact is people will still want it. People will still want cocaine and stimulants. And, and that's, that's what we're, we're seeing now. So at the moment we have a huge market that's completely unregulated. So the argument now is like, should we regulate that market? Should we step in? and let the, you know, let legitimate, you know, authorities regulate it rather than the gangsters regulate it, who are the people who are at the moment in charge.
2: Mm, and you're elbowing them out of that business and, you know, wherever they go, I'm sure there'll always be a black market and everything like there is in alcohol, but I suppose a discerning customer is able to go out and purchase alcohol that's produced somewhere they know perhaps or that's somewhere they're happy with produced in a way that's sustainable. Um yeah, anyway, look it is the eternal question and uh, as I said maybe you or I aren't necessarily qualified to answer it but um it it does it does beg the question when you see these eight crew members going to jail and uh the guys who financed it the guys who funded it the guys who are going to make all the profits should it have landed have walked away they may have been hit financially in the pocket but um it seems to me like they're able to um they're able to take quite a lot of hits quite a lot of losses before before they fall um but for the moment Eamon Dillon thank you very much you're welcome
1: Crime World is brought to you in association with Manscaped, who provide an incredible, complete men's grooming experience. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools and is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for Crime World listeners, 20% off and free shipping with the code CRIMEWORLD at manscaped.com.
0: Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take the Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on,